Hello and welcome to Switch It. The Bay of Plenty provided slim pickings for England's test cricketers as they were left out for the count in Mount Monganui, thus making New Zealand firm favourites to call it a wrap in Hamilton. With a fourth innings defeat in 14 away tests, Joe Root's new era is already looking quite like the old one. There is only a short turnaround between games, meaning England need their fixes to be of the quick variety. However, the impending departure of head coach Chris Silverwood, owing to a family bereavement, is unlikely to make things any easier. To discuss all this and more, I'm joined in the studio by Mark Butcher and Matt Roller, and we will also hear from George Bell on the phone from NZ. D- did you really do a Hamilton and rap gag just then? I'm glad you spotted it. Uh, Unbelievable. I- <laughs> <laughs> I tried to sneak that one past us. Uh, it, there's a callback later on as well, which yeah, so is going to really pay off for those uh, that were listening, <laughs> like you. Um, uh, as as we mentioned last week, uh, Butch, you, you've been out in the, the T10 in Abu Dhabi. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously better gigs than this one on offer, but I, I, I presume you were gladly setting your alarm for 2am uh, while the test was on? Had, uh, you know, had we had the facility in the... Hotels that I was staying in in Dubai and Abu Dhabi for that particular fun <laughs> gig, um, then doubtless I would have done. But, uh, no, I didn't see didn't see any of it, so I was sort of catching up um, with your good selves in the in the mornings. Well, I don't know what time of day it would. Yeah, they were they were a good way ahead of us. So yeah, I mean, um, when England got to three, whatever it was, three hundred and fifty in the first innings, you sort of thought, well. Opportunity lost to to post a, a big score, four fifty. Really put themselves in the box seat in the game. But then you thought, well, okay, that's not so bad. Um, we got some decent bowlers inside, and uh, hundred. What was it? One hundred and forty for four mm-hmm. first innings <clears throat> at the end of day two. And you're just thinking, well, okay, great, all good. Um, three days later, and another twenty seven games of T ten. Um, it, it was kind of like, oh, okay, what happened there? So, um, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, as we're doing, uh, doing musical references. Um, England, unable to, to, to make sufficient inroads, um, or at least inroads into the, the, the second half of an innings with a, with a Kookaburra ball. England, unable to bat the sort of, uh, you know, to, to bat teams out of existence. Um, nothing much has changed really, and and whether or not you um, you buy into the the idea that you do these wholesale philosophy changes of, you know, now we're going to bat time and now we're going to do this and now we're going to do that, as opposed to as opposed to just kind of treating the game with the respect that it deserves, because one one test match you might be rattling along at four and a half and over, and given the sort of players that England have in their team, that's that's more than possible. And another game you might have to do it in a completely different way in order to get the result you want. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the idea that now we're going to play like this and now we're going to play like that because the Test Match Cricket doesn't it doesn't allow things to exist like that. Um, so anyway, we'll see. Uh, it, it has the feel of a no Test Championship points. You know, there's kind of like that, that whole, is this really a friendly mm-hmm. series? Are we just kind of easing our way in before South Africa about it? Which is to completely and utterly disrespect um, a, a New Zealand side that have been battering people at home um, in much the same way as they did to, to England, which is kind of like a, a you know sort of a slow slow death type method of, of, of winning games, um, and they are very very good at it and very comfortable in playing in that manner, um, and so we could we could end up if the pitch looks like it might be a bit green, I don't know, 
that was three days ago. Um, it could do something. We could end up in a similar situation whereby England could could look like they're going to barnstorm the Test match and then end up getting <laughs> end up getting walloped by not being careful enough to kind of to press home their advantage. So um, that that's my my summary of what <laughs> I haven't seen, <laughs> but what I know as you know having having watched us play a little bit over the last ten years. We can always rely on you, but to know what's going on. Um, no World Chess Championship points, as you say. That's mm. the important thing, Matt. That's what everyone's talking about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, I think it's fair to say uh, that your heart was at the T10 as well, or at least uh, <laughs> you were looking at it longingly while the first couple of days were progressing at Bay Oval. Yeah, it wasn't um, wasn't always a thrill a minute, was it? Um, we but, watched every know. ball, so Butch didn't have to. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Um, Taking several for the team. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean... I, I don't know why we expected any different from a test in New Zealand. We've we've seen them do it over the past four or five years at home, where they grind teams into the dirt, basically bowl dry and bat long, do what England are saying they're hoping to do. Um, and yeah, they're a, they're a really good team, and people probably underestimated them a tiny bit going into the series. They're, they're second in the test rankings. They've they've actually they've got a really interesting set of fixtures coming up as well because they're they're going on a three match tour to Australia um, straight after this, which should be a real um it should be a real opportunity i reckon if anyone's going to beat australia and australia other than india at the moment new zealand are about as likely as anyone and then they've uh got two tests against india in the spring which you know again it's, it's a massive shame that that's only a two test series because that, that could be a real a humdinger a chance where's, where's that in, one is that is that in New Zealand yeah. and a chance for India okay. to drop their first World Test Championship points possibly yeah indeed I mean I, I, <laughs> how far ahead are they now <laughs> <laughs> um, have they got 360 yeah, points yeah I think so yeah. have, they? Or, uh, have yeah, they something like that okay. um, no one else is very close yeah, yeah. but you know if, if anyone's going to beat them in a one-off game at Lords <clears> in two years time you'd probably say New Zealand are as likely as anyone maybe Australia so yeah, I think you know. Not, not England. You've, you've gone with that. <laughs> I don't think England have a prayer at the moment, but yeah, who knows? It's good to see that the championship is working out exactly the way that it, that, that people would have wanted it to. Yes. Um, well, the final being held at Lords <laughs> is in no way presumptuous. <laughs> Looking that way, anyway. Okay. Well, let's get over to George and see how things are in the land of England's long white drought. It's now six tests in New Zealand without tasting victory. And their chances of ending that run in Hamilton have been hit by an injury scare, George. Yes, uh, it looks as if Josh Butler's going to miss out in the second test. He hurt his back in the gym uh, before training. And um, it looks as if Ollie Pope is going to keep Wicket in uh, uh, instead of him. Hey, look, that's not confirmed yet, but um, I'd be very surprised if they went into a test with a player with an injury doubt over them. So, um, yeah, it looks like Ollie Pope has got a bit of an opportunity and he looked uh, a bit shell-shocked today at trading, it's better to say. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a blow, isn't it? Um, indeed. And and there might be other changes in store? Well, there could be a few. Um, I, it depends. Uh, you, you know, obviously Pope was playing anyway and he's going to take the gloves, so they could bring in a batsman in Zach Crawley, who, who it would have to be, who's looked fantastic in training who's impressed everyone, who's tremendously fit and looks really good in the field. Um, but there was a sense that they wanted to get a, an all-rounder in or another seamer in as well. So the other option is they could play Chris Wokes instead of Butler, and he could bat at six or seven, and or they could drop Jack Leach, and they could play Wokes as the extra seamer. 
And if I were going to put money on it right now, I'd say they'd play Wokes ahead of Leach. I don't think they've been overwhelmed with Leach. Uh, I mean, you know what you're going to get with Jack Leach. He's never going to let you down. But he doesn't have a lot of bite as a spinner. And um, they're a little bit disappointed with him, I think it's fair to say, in Mount Mongadoui. And it is possible that Wokes will come in for him. I mean, the pitch looks oddly green. I mean, I think there's 16 millimetres of grass today. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the picture that I put on Twitter and I said to you guys, it's, it, it really is oddly green and damp. Um, and if they do pitch it slightly differently here, and it might be that I've just never been to Hamilton and done a test here before and don't really know what I'm seeing, but it really is quite a striking surface. It very much looks like a bowl-first surface if you win the toss, but it looks oddly green and oddly damp. And... Um, I think England might well think that it's a, a seamer-friendly wicket and they might go that way with it. And it also looks like it will be quite slow because even when it does dry out, which it surely will, uh, you wouldn't think there'd be a lot of pace in it with 16 millimetres of grass. Oh, well, there were no doubts about the wicket in Mount Monganui. Um, certainly runs there. England were in a decent position after the first couple of days. From where you were, how badly did you think um, they un- unravelled thereafter? Was was it up there with the worst of um, tours to Australia and India in recent times? Well, I don't think they were in a good position after two days. So that, I guess that's where I disagree with you. I think that they... I thought uh, at the time that 350 was under par... I didn't realise how far under par it was, but, you know, that, that was the sort of wicket where you have to grind the opposition into the dust, and that's what New Zealand did and England didn't. And so absolutely 400, 450 was a minimum requirement there, and probably 500 plus. So uh, I didn't think they'd done well enough in their first innings, and that probably defined the match. Because as it was they allowed New Zealand to bat when the wicket was at its best. In my own view, they didn't bowl that badly. I mean, I, no, sorry, I don't think they bowled bad. Um, and New Zealand were just extremely disciplined. And if the wicket's very flat, and if the ball's not doing a lot, and if the batsmen are very patient, well, what can you do? So actually, I thought England stuck to it pretty well. And um, it was the batting that let them down. They let them down in both innings. At least in the final innings, uh, the ball did a bit and they had some excuses but um, basically I thought they were just outplayed and they were given a masterclass in how to play in those conditions England have lost the ability to bat big bat long and if they're going to win abroad they have to rediscover it Indeed and um, there was no better example of how to do that um, than the one set by BJ Watling and Mitchell Santner Yeah well BJ Watling in particular was masterful I mean, he, he, I mean he's not an inelegant player. I think he's quite an attractive player. But he doesn't... He didn't pull or hook, really, at all, did he? I mean, very, very rarely. Uh, uh, but he, when he left the ball, he left it... Uh, so he leans back and he bends his knees and he keeps his eyes on the ball all the time. He drives well, he sweeps the spinners, and he can cut. So he knows his shots, he knows his limitations, and he's happy to defend and lead the ball. I mean, it's probably simplistic to say he wanted it more, but maybe there's something in that as well. He was prepared to wait longer and work harder than England were. And it's a mentality as much as anything, but he didn't feel in any rush. He was happy to go along at two, two and a half and over for a very, very long time. And it was actually that fourth day, I thought, that really uh, drove that point home that 
they started that fourth day, and I think we all thought that New Zealand would look to accelerate. And actually, it went the other way. England bowled seven overs, seven maidens in a row at one stage, I think. And in the first hour, New Zealand hardly moved. But actually, what they were doing is grinding England into the dirt. They were wearing them out, and they were making sure that their total was enormous. And it was an old-fashioned way to play test cricket, but actually, it was hugely effective. And physical weariness is an underrated aspect of test cricket, I think. I mean, imagine fielding the 201 overs. I mean, that is, that is brutal, isn't it? And uh, I thought that when England batted in the second innings, their, their second innings, they were exhausted. And um, some of their decision-making, and shot-making, sorry, I should shut my window here because uh, it's very noisy. Um, some of their decision-making was affected by that. So... Uh, you know, I thought New Zealand gave them a masterclass in how to play on flat wickets, but it does keep happening, and England have a huge Achilles heel in that area. Um, and you've talked about this before, and kind of that ruthlessness that they need to show, and it's kind of the, the blueprint, I suppose, that Chris Silverwood um, and Joe Root are aiming for. But, I mean, it's fair to say, I, I guess, that it's going to take some time uh, for England to put those messages into practice. Yeah, yeah, of course it is, because the messages have changed. They've just changed. You know, the, the, the message under Trevor Bayliss was generally about positivity and white ball cricket, and we know that. And while there are some caveats to that, that is generally the way it was. And the message now has changed, and it will take time for people to adapt their games to that. All I would say is that um, this team isn't particularly young, and the captain isn't particularly inexperienced. And maybe you'd be looking for a bit more common sense already from them. But, yeah, I mean, it is a new era, and it's probably fair. You know, know, I mean, basically the question you're asking is about Joe Root, isn't it? Whether he's the right man for the job. And I think the fact is he's the only man for the job. And if England are going to progress, they probably probably have to hope that he rediscovers his form with the bat and that things fall into place. But increasingly, it becomes obvious that the difference, the chasm between English conditions and overseas conditions is really holding England back. Now, I don't want England, no one wants really in England, uh, uh, the English team, the English domestic competitions to stop using the Duke's ball because I think it creates the most fun, entertaining, attractive cricket in the world. I really do believe that. But I'm not sure it's helping them win. Uh, and unless they can persuade other countries to start using the Dukes rather than the Kookaburra, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, that's a real, real problem for England. It would be nice. You know, if you took England supporters out of the crowd in Mount Wanganui, there wouldn't have been many people there. And um, I, I really do believe that the Dukes is a much more entertaining ball to play cricket with. But the fact is other teams win when they play against England using the Cookborough and England are very dominant with the Duke so what they're going to do well I, I certainly you read my mind I certainly was going to ask you about Root and the captaincy um, what's what's the sense of um, his mood uh, do you think uh, his batting form hasn't been great this year we know um, and there was a sense that kind of he and England almost went too far in the opposite direction on the the final day I think he scored 11 off 51 something like that and he'd had two off 22 in the first innings perhaps trying to set the example but um was this was this just sort of taking it too far no I don't think so um 
no. I mean, lots of people would agree with you. I know Mike Atherton would agree with you. No, I mean, you can block all day. What, what was the hurry? They were playing for a draw. Just, just, just block it. What does it matter how slowly he scored on that last day? The problem was that he then had a dart at one. So, you know, if he can't play that way, fine. He can be a different sort of player. But he is the one preaching the sort of long-term, uh, we're going to occupy the crease and score slowly if that's what it takes message. He's completely entitled to score fast if he wants to. But, the, you know, he didn't do that either. Um so he's just got to be better. It's not really a question of whether he's got to be quicker or slower. He's just got to be better. And he has had quite a long period of, you know, batting quite modestly. I think he's what's the average under 30 in the calendar year. It's just not good enough. And that's his main role in the side still, to score lots of runs. And he's not doing it. He looked very tired after that test. He would have done, wouldn't he? He'd been in the field for 201 overs. He also was slightly disillusional in the press conference, I thought, in that he, he was talking about um, having done lots of things right and just needed to do them for longer. Well, they didn't do a lot right in that game, to be honest. Uh, I, I don't think there's anyone who is trying to... Uh, I don't think there's anyone who thinks that he shouldn't be counted, really. I mean, are, are there any suggestions, really, for anyone who would be better... There's no one in the team who wants to do it. There's no one in county cricket who's crying out to do it. You know, it'd be a lot easier for England if Root just started scoring runs again and, um, you know, was an OK captain again. I mean, no one's saying he has to be great. He just has to be a decent at the job. Uh, 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 it's a worry, isn't it? It's a huge worry. He's 34 tests in. It's quite a lot. And he doesn't seem to be good at... Um, making the best of himself as a batsman or tactically uh, but I don't see that England have anywhere else to go and I don't see there being an imminent change Well there we go, it sounds like England will have to like it or lump it Thanks George, we'll let you get back to the Hamilton nightlife, remember when the fun stops stop <laughs> Yeah, that's no danger in Hamilton, trust me, it's lovely but um, I don't think that's the danger Cheers <laughs> Great, thanks very much, George. Uh, so there we go. That's the way England need to go: harder, better, slower, stronger. Um, now, Butch, b- before the series began, um, we asked you for your composite eleven. I think you had Johnny Bairstow, wicketkeeper. It's good. Um, <laughs> uh, never mind what poor old BJ Watling did to be overlooked. But um, <laughs> are England going to rue not having Bairstow in the squad now, given the the Butler news overnight? Yeah, that's that's a, a, a major blow. I mean, it's a major blow in my mind because the very idea that um that averaging 60 or whatever it is ollie pope might end up once again in his incredibly fledgling test match career doing something for which he is completely ill-equipped um, yes he is the backup keeper without that's the thing that bothers me most about it i don't you know the the the, the wicket keeping side of it hasn't even entered my head yet um until he clangs a couple um, but, you know, have they got no interest in this kid making runs or what in, at test level? <laughs> no, it's just it's quite extraordinary. Um, and, you, you know, you go on tour to the, to the furthest flung corner of the earth and don't have reasonable backup handy um, for, a, for a position as specialist as a wicketkeeper. It's just you kind of get what you deserve under those circumstances. Um, Zach Crawley might be the, the beneficiary um, 
making a test debut. I'm hearing potentially batting at six, I think. Mm. That's what I've heard. Well, that's one of the mad things, isn't it? I mean, at what point were <laughs> did anyone expect on this tour England to suddenly have their, their backup top order batsman batting in the middle order as well? Mm. It's, um, and I know uh, Crawley did do it at the start of his Kent career, but he gave an yeah. interview this summer, I think, to the Times, where he was saying, you know, the, the thing I found so difficult about batting five or six was I, I got bored waiting. I hated batting down there. It frustrated <laughs> me. I was so glad when I got bumped up to the top mm. of the order during, I think it was sort of midway through last season. Um, and, you know, he, he's suddenly he's got to do the same thing probably on test debut. And, it, you know, is his career, it, does he suddenly get written off? Does it no, massively, I I negatively so. affect him? You'd hope not, but... No, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, in the same way that I don't think that Ollie Pope's career is going to get written off after being mm. erroneously put in at number four against the, the best test side in the world and then being asked to keep wicket potentially in this test match. But, you know, it's, it's funny, isn't it? We were kind of lauding the um, the pragmatism or, or the just the, the, the normalcy of having, of having a test 11 that looked like everyone was in positions that they were used to. They were used to playing in, doing roles that they were used to being asked to do. Um, and one test later, <laughs> back, to the, back to the madness again. Um, you know, hopefully Joss will, will recover and, and, and play and, we won't, and, and, and this won't, won't take place. But, I mean, it's just... You know, you basic planning. You've got to you've got to have a backup keeper. There's a good reason why people take backup keepers. It's because one of them breaks a finger or does a hammy, and you've got a you've got a massive problem with a with a very specialist position. And actually had Bersto around as cover, and they did, yeah. until about this time last I mean, week. I, yeah. I can't remember the last time Molly Pope kept either. It was um, January or February on uh, an A tour of India. Yeah, he's, interestingly, he, he's kept uh, in a few T20s, uh, but first class right. games is a handful, game, yeah. isn't it? Okay, it, it, and you know, I think he's, I think he's probably fine. Um, and I Ben Folks is where? Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the big question. Where, where's the where's the really really great wicketkeeper batsman I, that we have? I think we said a couple of weeks ago as well. It almost felt like they didn't bring Folks to avoid the distraction of the whole wicketkeeping question and to nail down Butler is the wicketkeeper. Butler is the wicketkeeper. There's only one choice. It has to be him. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, here we are. Where you know Butler hurts his whatever muscle it is in the gym, and yeah. Well, I mean, I'm quite happy about it because it's kind of given me something to be slightly vexed about in this in, in this pod so that's all good but yeah i'll be i'll be very very upset if if Folly pope ends up at seven keeping wicket and you kind of like go what well, you know he the chances of him then then finding himself in the 11 um batting in in his his what would be his rightful position in the side at, at five or six probably six because um a certain mr mr stokes is at five um you know He's got four four test innings to try and kind of make a case, isn't he? He's had two, had a, a little bit of a shocker in the second dig, <laughs> to be fair, um, to say the very least. But again, you know, he's, he's kind of you feel like he's battling, and he shouldn't be battling. Mm. He should have a he should have a sort of a clear ten test match run in a in a spot where he'd be comfortable um, to to go out there and show why he's averaging the the, the sort of numbers that are that are sort of Rampakash esque. Uh, you know, at the back end of his career, before he'd had a chance to to to, to have the to have his mind destroyed, as Mark <laughs> Rampakash did. You know, let's try and get let the kid get going before you put him in a position where he's kind of seeing yeah. seeing conspiracy and ghosts everywhere he turns. What a, what a comparison! I can't imagine England selection issues getting you vexed, but actually, <laughs> no, I, you, well, you can see I'm quite, I'm quite laid back about it it's because it's you know it's just something that happens all the time, isn't it? <laughs> um, the shame, Matt, is that. It, if we get away from what happened on the field, um, that was quite a good eleven England had on paper. Yes, 
Yeah, I suppose. Well, that's great. I, I mean, an opener at opening. Um, Denley at number three. We had Pope at number six. Butler keeping. We had Curran left arm. We had extra pace in Joffre. Yeah. We had a spinner. You know, it a, made a some, test eleven. It made some kind of sense, and it also, had, you know, for all. The very odd thing about England conceding 600 for nine or whatever it was was that they didn't bowl that badly. Um, and you also did start to see some of the signs of improvement in terms of the variety, um, in the attack that it kept on being mentioned last time, um, last time England went to Australia, which was, you know, there's a whole load of 88 to 85 mile an hour right arm seamers and everyone bowls in the same way. Actually, there was a lot of variety in the attack. Uh, Leach was sort of okay holding up an end. Uh, Curran bowled pretty well, I thought. Um, you know, just sort of bustling wicket to wicket stuff. Maybe could have come round the wicket earlier. Um, but I, I, I think he was pretty good. Archer largely did the job asked of him. Maybe shouldn't have been an enforcer quite as much as he turned out to be, but he, he was in short, sharp bursts and, you know, he, poor guy bowled 40 overs. He's 10 more than he ever had before, more than Broad ever has. Um, you know, I don't think England were were too bad um, with the ball, and there were some signs of um, improvement. But I think you know, Broad gave the game away on the final morning when he said we were probably 150 short with the bat in the first innings. Um, and you know, it, it, it's very easy to see how that game would have descended into a, a ball draw where England had a session and a half to bat out at the end, and you know, you don't get the brain fades that happen like Burns deciding to sort of premeditate a sweep from a full ball outside his off stump and top edge it to square leg on the fourth <laughs> evening which is the sort of thing that you know it happens after after you've had 200 overs in the field and you're not thinking straight did you see the the uh twitter i think the surrey it must have been the surrey twitter feed put out um a, a little masterclass video recording that i'd done oh, for a for just, a certain car manufacturer with with rory burns on the art so of the sleep i didn't yeah, <laughs> did you teach him that <laughs> <laughs> i was just lobbing the ball just uh, don't blame me but it was brilliant it kind of sort of like it just appeared and i thought well, that's odd why have they put that out and then all of a sudden just got bombarded with people going oh everybody always rubbish <laughs> <laughs> Great advertising. Uh, uh, well, there's no, no such thing. As, but hey, listen, uh, I mean, listen. New Zealand, New Zealand, kind of New Zealand played a great game, didn't they? I mean, you, the, the opposition are allowed to come out and play well. They recovered, you know. Mm. They rescued themselves from a position of position where where England could have made 450, 500 themselves with the ball. They rescued themselves from 144 with the bat. And BJ Watling, who again is. <laughs> He's just a fabulous cricketer, isn't he? He's, so, he's admirable mm. in every way possible. Um, uh, uh, Mitchell Santner, mate, you know, th- then, then we get to the point where, where the bowlers are on their knees trying to make the cricket do something on a flat one. And they were, they were just very, very bloody good. I don't, there's mm. no disgrace in getting beaten like that. The disgrace comes, I suppose, in, in the idea that, um, and the idea that there, that lessons have been learned because by and large, these are the same similar group of players. Not the same. They're a similar group of players um, as you've had around. The sort of like the, the core of that eleven is still there, um, you know. And how many runs does how many runs do you have to watch Steve Smith make, or how many runs do you have to watch X Y Z make at a certain sort of Test match tempo or whatever you want to call it? Uh, before you know, before you before you sense the irony in saying in post match interviews, oh, we need to we can learn something from from what these guys are doing. So they're doing it to you every week, every single week. You know, is it going to be Mitchell Satner that that suddenly makes the makes the penny drop? I, I don't think so. You know, it's kind of um, 
the words ring a bit hollow and I, and I, I have to say I do feel a certain amount of sympathy because what else are you going to say what, what else is going to come out of your mouth at the end of a, of a game like that or of a, of a performance like that apart from the fact that we can we can do better we must do better I mean yeah, and, and there's not a lot else he can say. There was the interesting point as well in um, Ashley Giles' press conference where he, you know, someone said, "Does Root still have your backing?" And he says, "Well, I'm not. I'm not really sure what you're expecting me to say here. Of course, he still has my backing. Mm. It's one game into mm. we've we've publicly backed him as our captain for the next two and a half years. Of course, he, of course, I'm going to say he still has my backing, mm. even if I was really concerned about how things went. Um, but yeah, it's." Um, the chairman's seal of approval. I guess. I guess. Yeah, the dreaded vote of confidence. I guess. The, I guess the the alternative is you know, <clears throat> England win against a pretty a South Africa side that seemed like a complete rabble off the field, mm. and all of this is quickly forgotten. And <laughs> yeah. you know, we move on, and there's a home summer, and <laughs> that's that. Yeah, I mean, and, and all of those things are entirely possible. Um, like South Africa's situation is. We think ours is bad. Gee, um, let's wait until we go there. Wait, well, of course, you know, <laughs> anything can happen. But, but in terms of um, in terms of, sort of uh, turmoil off the field, what's that? The press conference I saw the other day where they where they just refused refused to let the press know who was picking the team. It's mm. like the, you know, this, there is, is no secret, no transparency at all in, ter- in terms of who's responsible for the players that turn out in the park, and no one's willing to put their hand up and say it was me. You know, um, <laughs> it's probably for the best. That, you know, if, if you're named as a CSA selector, you're for the chop pretty soon after. Well, po- possibly, like but I mean, it's just yeah, it's kind of bizarre. Um, so yeah, but it's always it's yeah. always easy to kind of to have your gaze fixed firmly on on what's happening with you and and, and mm-hmm. <laughs> realize that well you know sometimes we might have it quite quite good in comparison to others. I guess the the point though is that you know England do need to learn stuff from this tour because you know that test other than you know very different surroundings um, it could easily have been a Nash's test in a couple of years time where you know a couple of patient players grind you into the dirt and if you get 350 instead of 500 in the first innings then you've thrown the game away mm. um, and if the big uh, that's focus been is on to us away from home for the last four or five years of course not, yeah know, what, what what sudden new learnings are we getting well, out of something that keeps yeah, happening point. um yeah well, uh, and, well and, the, and, and the issue with it sorry sorry to interrupt but the issue no, with it is this the floor is yours is entirely that that as as Brody said or, or might have said in that last say that you're that you're short on runs if you score that, if you if you have to put yourself in a position whereby you kind of you're trying to put yourself out of harm's way by the runs that you score, um, batting first, first innings, and then you kind of work out, okay, well, do, are we going to have time to do this? What do we need? Maybe second time round, we might have, might have to go a little bit harder, a little bit faster, in order to give ourselves time to win, uh, win the Test match. Can we afford to be a little bit more gung ho with the ball, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. But unless you score the runs the first time round. None of those things are in, under your control. They're in the opposition's control. Because if the opposition do what you should have done the first time, you're the one that's up, up, up against it. And it's, that's it. That's the game. Um, bleh. <laughs> I'm, I'm sad we don't have George here to, 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 to really um, uh, zhuzh this next bit up a bit. But the um, pitches, county pitches. <laughs> Joss Butler mentioned them. Uh, George may have written about them once or twice. Is, is there... A, does it come back to the sort of the root of the problem here that a lot of English first class players don't have the <clears throat> know how, where with all the tools to bat 
for two days of a first class game Look, anymore I will because take, of the nature of I will the take you back to the to the nineteen nineties, right? <laughs> I will take oh, you back to the beginning of the nineteen nineties. Do we want where, to go back there again? Well, well we're going to. <laughs> I remember. Because, I, mean, I know you've done a documentary on it. We're but. going to because because the, the the points, the facts then are exactly the same as they are now, right? Use the facts then were we, we were a mixture of three of that three day and four day cricket. Um, teams were allowed to pretty much produce any type of pitch that they wanted. Uh, there were no points on offer for for draws or nothing extra for a draw. So it was literally get to the result as fast as you possibly can, move on, play the next game. Um, you'd have. Uh, a choice between a juke ball and a and a what was the other one? A reader ball. The reader ball helped helped teams playing on drier pitches with spinners because they reverse swung, and the juke ball was preferred by the by the green members and whatever. And so you'd have a situation where you would choose whichever ball you wanted in order to suit your attack, in order to be able to get as many results as you possibly could out of the game. Right? God, I can't believe we're going through all this again. Then, towards the end of the 1990s, it was decided, as England had gone through an, almost an entire decade without winning any cricket matches at all, um, any test matches at all. Yes, I seem to remember. Do you remember? <laughs> OK, that it might be a good idea. Might it might not. I'm sure he does. He's, he's got all, he reads this stuff. And he's got a little <laughs> torch under his duvet at night. Just, um, Horror stories. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and, so, and so it was decided, OK... Let's let's have flat pitches. We're going to have four-day cricket. We're going to have flat pitches. We're going to make bowling teams take twenty wickets to win te- to win county games. We're not going to have well, you still had the odd one, but because it rained, um, we're not going to have contrived declarations. We're not going to have the matches will come to a natural conclusion. We will put points, bonus points on offer for draw for draws. So it was worth your while to turn up on the last day and battle like mad to try not to lose a game. Where it had not, there'd been nothing in it for not losing a game before. It was literally, how fast can we get on the motorway? Because we've got another game coming in 15 minutes time. Um, and, and then, you know... The, they say it's the, a treadmill these so, days. <laughs> so through the 2000s, you know, the beginning of the 2000s, England started to win tech. The, the only people we didn't beat were Australia. Then we beat Australia. Then we became the number one side in the world. And batters were batters were, were, were averaging 50-60 in the county championship. The bowlers who were taking wickets, the bowlers who were getting taken out of the county championship in order to protect them from having to do all the workload were guys that you wanted in your test team because they would bowl people out. And England were a good side. Now all of a sudden we're, we're, we're back at this point again where... In Division Two, you literally, you know, we had the, the no heavy roller thing, whatever it might be. You got you got batsmen pushing forward and having their noses ripped off by blokes bowling seventy eight miles an hour, <laughs> um, and you know, and nobody seems to be able to score a run. And lo and behold, nobody seems to be able to bat any length of time in Test match cricket. The whole thing has gone freaking full circle, <laughs> and and people are going, oh, I don't understand why this is happening. Well, it's because people who people who don't have any idea about yeah. the game of cricket and what and and how it actually is supposed to be played and the value of certain certain skills and the conditions that they promote are the people who make decisions about what happens they make decisions based upon what's most entertaining for the 17 people who turned up to watch the county championship game i don't care it doesn't matter it really bloody doesn't because if they like the game that much they will appreciate the skills that are required to play it on a proper pitch okay done here we go good um, 
Some of the reasons that this has uh, come about again, Matt, is this to do with white ball cricket as much as anything else? We, we've had a change to the toss in the county championship uh, in recent years, whereby you know the visiting team gets to uh, choose if they want to bowl first or if they if they want to bat. Then there is a toss that was supposed to bring spinners back into the game, so on. But we don't seem to have um, noticed a discernible improvement there. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> Butch can just tune out for this. The, this well, I mean, the, pr- the problem with the uncontested toss, it, you know, it sort of worked for the first year, but if you sort of think about what the perfect pitch probably is for a full day game which finishes in the final session it should probably help the seamers a bit on day one then get better to bat on on day two and three and then deteriorate <laughs> but then the problem uh, the home teams have no incentive satisfied look on butcher's face the home the team has no incentive to prepare that sort of pitch because they know the away team will rock up have the best bowling conditions and then have the best batting conditions on day yeah. two um <laughs> you know in terms of in terms of alternatives I've, i i i sort of think that um that Ashley Giles gave an interview um, to Sky during that test, and he, uh, you know, it, the England setup as a whole have been making that point in a big way in the past few weeks. I think Root, Butler, and Denley all mentioned it um, of their own volition uh, in terms of standard of batting pitches. Uh, Giles mentioned the fact that they want to, you know, work collaboratively with the counties in a way that they probably haven't. There's been all this friction between the ECB and the counties. Um, and probably with good reason because I think the counties are, you know, pissed off about the introduction of the hundred. Um, and I, I think that Giles is making the right sort of sounds as to whether he actually is able to affect them. It's a different question mm-hmm. because that, you know, there's just, a, there's a different governance structure to say Australia where they can, you know, it's very easy for the, um, for Cricket Australia to effectively control the state associations and say, you know, this is what you need to do because this is for the, for the good of the national team. So you think when, um, New South Wales dropped Eddie Cowan a few years ago because they needed to try and get some young players in their team despite the fact that he was their leading run scorer. Um, whereas, you know, if you told, um, I don't know, Somerset, you've got to drop James Hildreth because you're blocking Tom Banton's <laughs> path into the middle order, I don't think they would be taking to that too kindly and they would say, we're and a member's and club. You'd, you'd never, and you'd never have to do that in, in county cricket because well, there are 18 so teams. teams yeah. you, know, you, you don't ever have that's that. A fair point. The conflict never gets to that point. I guess th- th- that's another question is should you know should the kookaburra ball be used for five six rounds of the championship and I, I mean but yeah possibly although I, I remember we, there was an ex- experiment in the in the second team so we're talking again early 90s um, where we used the kookaburra quite a bit and it swung like mad it was like, well, I, I was bowling at the time. It was kind of in my, in my days of... Well, that's, my the, that's da- the answer, no, isn't but it? In my, in my days of, of be, you know, batting 7-8 and, and being first change or whatever it was. Because the, because the soil is, is obviously very different and the grass is not as abrasive or whatever, the kookaburra actually kept... You could shine the thing up mm. and, it, and it hooped. You know, it, it kind of did a lot more here than it ever did in Australia. And I, and I, have, I have experience of opening the bowling in great cricket in Australia with one as well, so I know what I'm talking about. Um... <laughs> And are you saying it didn't hoop? No, well, it did, but only for a very limited, you know, period of time, as as we're as we're used to seeing. Um, so, I mean, you can do, you can do all of those things, but we but there was a solution to it that English cricket provided twenty years ago, without having to do without having to mess about with the toss, without having to change the playing conditions in terms of rollers being used, without having to have. Um, whole phalanx of what are they called match managers pitch managers all this kind of stuff you have a pitch you should have pitch liaison officers who have the power to be able to travel around and 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 and, and post penalties to anybody who, to any pitch that has been as is, is, is below standard and then you just let people get on with it 
you let people get on with it with the with the with, with the um, the reward the provisions for the for the game and the penalties for not producing a pitch that's good enough to play on it that, that reflect what you want to happen you know I, I would I would be absolutely absolutely delighted if there were no um, batting or bowling points and that you play the game like a test match in the you know which which would give the incentive if pitches end up being too flat for captains to pull out earlier than than they might in order to try and leave room for a, for a result give captains more in the way of um, and the more more in the way of incentive of being cleverer and smarter and understanding the game a little bit more rather than having bonus points etc etc dictate what you're going to do in terms of how many runs you're going to score how much time it's going to take you to do it you know the the, the game itself if you leave it to its purest form has a, such a myriad of ways that you can do things uh, but it requires you know it requires people to kind of think a little bit on their feet it's a good game you're describing it's, isn't it? it a bad, it's not a bad sport i'm telling you <laughs> i tell you what as well one of the things i've i thought from the first test is you look at someone like bj watling he doesn't have any shots that you know any of the england players don't have he's he's fundamentally quite limited he was he, he described himself i think as a limited exactly player, yeah you know he, he's not casting he's aspersions well, yeah he's well aware of the fact that he's not you know it's not like kane williamson got a massive hundred it's a guy who is you know he wouldn't necessarily stand out you probably wouldn't pay money to go and watch him but he's he's just a very solid thirty uh, four year old who knows his game inside mm. out and if you think of outside of so you know if you say outside of maybe root and Stokes England players that have um that in a sort of watling role who n- maybe don't necessarily have every single shot in the book but have actually made good test hundreds in the past couple of years, you think of folks on the Sri Lanka tour and you think of probably burns at Edgebaston um this summer and I think while Surrey's championship pitches have generally been really boring and produced a lot of draws and been very flat. It's probably no surprise that the two England players outside of the the, the best handful who have actually made big hundreds and battered for prolonged periods have played on those pitches and have learned how to occupy the crease for a long period of time because you know it's so many so many teams play on pitches that you know you you have to score as many runs as you can within the 90 odd balls before you get one that's unplayable mm. um it, it's no surprise well, before was, darren was, stevens gets you out no, yeah. exactly and that was that was exactly what what cricket in the 90s was like that was exactly what it was like at home um you know Let's it, not you go were back li- there again but, well, exactly uh, so you were literally <laughs> waiting for a ball that like a grenade that had your name on it and so everybody would have a whoosh until that time came around i mean it's just, listen there is i don't think that there's a single thing that ever happens in the game that hasn't happened before but this ha- this is so recent and happened for such a long period of time <laughs> that i cannot believe we've forgotten about it already <laughs> no we we needed that reminder um uh, if I would, if George were here, I'm sure he would mention centrally contracted groundsmen, but um, mm. I think we'll just leave that there. Um, <laughs> on the on the subject of uh, old-fashioned cricket, uh, um, you've mentioned we've mentioned uh, him already, uh, but you know England England might have got away with it or even been on top, uh, but for B.J. Watling's Lionel Richie impression, going all night long for two nights running, at least from the England perspective. Um, and Actual dancing on the ceiling, <laughs> <laughs> something climbing the walls, maybe. Um, <laughs> and if the first first test at Bay Oval was like Christmas coming early, then Santner also delivered. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, Santner was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> should, we, should we let that one hang? Um, <laughs> yeah, he um, he started horribly 
it's it's probably important to remember that he he looked awful for the first fifty balls he faced. That that um, England peppered him. Uh, yeah, he looked he, he looked really awkward against the short ball. Leach ripped a few past the bat um, in the rough outside off, and he just gritted in. It's also something that you know. How many times have you seen? We get to a position where Butler is batting with a number eight or nine, and the presumption is, oh, Butler's batting with the tail. He needs to go for quick runs. And New Zealand were effectively in the same position and instead decided to grit out six more sessions. Um, Ouch. You know, it shows shows the, the complete split between it. But yeah, and I, with the ball, I thought Santner was brilliant as well. He, his first, you know, people kept on mentioning his first class stats. I think he averages 40. He'd never taken more than a three for. He still hasn't. But, um, you know, you've got to remember that he plays on a lot of, he, he generally has played first class cricket in New Zealand on green pitches has a holding role at best and you know he, he missed nine months or whatever it was last year um with that that knee injury um but he, he was he was brilliant i thought um you know he's he's obviously you can sort of see the influences of one day cricket he's one of the few um finger spinners from outside of the subcontinent who who can turn the ball both ways because he's got his carom ball that he, he pulled out a couple of times um, and he was he was very good at sort of varying his pace, varying his angle. He tossed it up a lot um, to start with in the second innings, then fired a few through quicker. Um, he, he was very good at finding the rough outside the left-handers off stump, and a lot of times, you know, balls were sort of dying completely off the pitch, and he looked really good. Um, and I don't know who's to, who's to say Jack Leach wouldn't have if he'd been able to bowl on a day five pitch, but. Um, the contrast was fairly marked, especially after Santner had barely bowled in the first innings and Leach had started pretty well in the holding role. Um, and their, their match uh, returns could hardly have been, um, could hardly have contrasted further. That's right. Um, J- Jack Leach uh, in the holding role, 47 overs, seven maidens, two for 153. And Butcher, from what we're hearing from George, it does sound as if England are, are contemplating a change there already, which is a, h- hardly a vote of confidence uh, in the spinner. Um, potential for a, an all-seam attack if this is a, a oh, real wow. sort of wobbly okay. green one. So, right. um, yeah. Well, I hope not. I, I really do hope not. Um, an all-seam attack? Nah. <laughs> Sorry, no. What, um, with Joe Root and Joe Denley lobbing up uh, no. at the odd. Uh, just, just don't do it. Don't go there. Because also, you saw you saw the benefit in the in the final innings of New Zealand having the spinner holding yep. down an end and then rotating the quicks from the far end. Because then you can say, you know, you get Wagner to do what Wagner does and just bang it in short for seven overs, and then you can, you know, they were they, everyone forgets that they were seamer down on the last day as well because Bolt Bob won mm-hmm. over and then went off with yeah, his injury, which can happen. And DeGrandon barely pulled on the final day as well, so it was you know a mix between Sal- Salvi and Wagner at the far end and you you saw the value of having someone who could just tie up an end I will take you both back to yesteryear again <laughs> 2002 England at home so I remember that one England <laughs> at home yeah, was he born then <laughs> England at home um, against India um, I think we were 1-0 up beat them at Lords um and we should so Trent Bridge I think might be the next one Harmy might have made a debut in that one one or the other I just remember him bowling to Partiv Patel and just thinking that it was just the most you know it was, it was like bullying wasn't it <laughs> it, was just, it was ridiculous well, Partiv was well. younger than, than so, that I think, so anyway so, <laughs> so we go into the, go into the test match with Trent Bridge and we, uh, we send Ashley Giles home on a Tuesday and this was the uh, Zahir Khan's uh... okay Ashley Giles goes home Tuesday send him home he's not going to play right we play five front line scene bowlers in this test match 
Vaughan gets 190, we score millions. Anybody remember Michael Vaughan getting out of Sachin Tendulkar in the final innings of the Test match? <laughs> Huge off break out of the the left armers, out of Zahir Khan's left armers foot breaks. Bowl Sachin through the gate, turned that far. I don't think Michael has ever mentioned. mentioned it, he's yeah. never mentioned <laughs> it. So and and we end up drawing a Test match we should have won. Why? Because we didn't play a spin bowler. Don't do it. There's no in in the the eleven that England any eleven that England can post at the moment with Stokes as an all rounder. There is absolutely no reason not to go into the, to a test match without a spinner. Is Even if you think that it's so green that he's not going to play a part. And if he doesn't, fine. I have no issue with a, with a spin bowler being in this. Because if you win the test match and he doesn't bowl a ball, then you pick the right side anyway, haven't you? Right? And, and if it's Jack Leach, he's bound to score you, uh, score you some, <laughs> some runs at night. Watch so him. just don't do it. Although he could have reviewed and uh, <laughs> yeah. saved himself the other night. There's so. an easy fiddle as well, which is if, if they want to play Wokes, you pick Wokes, you don't play Crawley, and you have a similar balance to the team that mm. played at the Oval. You have um, Curran or Wokes at, well, probably Curran at six, Pope at seven, Wokes at eight, Archer Broad, Leach, and. Yeah. Um, don't do it, don't do it! There we go, there's still time for them to listen to the pod. Um, <laughs> do we. <laughs> Do we need to um, talk about uh, the captaincy again? Uh, obviously, another heavy defeat for uh, Joe Root. Um, we've, we've been here before. Mm. England seemed very set on on backing him until the next Ashes. And as George said, there aren't many other candidates. But averaging 27.4, I think it is this year now. With, Ouch. As a captain, it's now <clears> under 40. Mm. Um, Just gone outside the top 10. Exactly, for the first time since 2014 or something like that yeah. in the ICC rankings. So um, um, it, it's an ongoing concern, if nothing more. It's an ongoing concern about the lack of the lack of runs. Um, as a captain, yeah, potentially he's not the he's not the sort of the guru that everybody would 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 love him to be. Um, however, bowlers, bowling attacks, etc., are the captain's best friend, um, and. You know, there's there's enough evidence to suggest that his hasn't quite been out of the top draw as yet. Um, I'm much happier that now, now that he's number four. Let's let's just see this winter out huh? because <laughs> because if you're going to make a, if you're going to make a change like that, you know, change it on home turf. Um, who it's going to be, I've got no idea. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I mean, the only guy at the moment you you think has the the, the potential or at least has some captaincy experience who is looking like he's guaranteed to play is Burns mm-hmm. um, everybody else you know Josh you could say is a, is a potential leader of men and you see that happening in the, in the 50 over and white ball stuff um, when Owen um, finally finally goes uh, but in terms of test match cricket you know his his position in the test side is far from far from nailed on far from nailed on um, Ben Stokes you, you, you sort of think of the um, the Flintoff Botham syndrome where do you want your most your, your most influential player on the field anyway to have all of the extra burden of, of being captain as well I would say no you don't um, and, th- and other than that you're looking around broad how much longer is he going to go on for fast bowler you know could end up missing a series anyway you know all of these things um, sort of mount up against the potential and they're not even candidates they're sort of like the potential talking points mm. um, for the captaincy so for the time being, we kind of we're stuck with Joe, and we're just fingers crossed, praying that that he finds his, his run making mojo again, because that, as as Athers has written and as various pundits have said about other captains, like Alistair Cook, for example, that he is his runs are more important to you than his captaincy, than his 
coin flipping and 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 bowler changing ability. Um, he starts making a few runs. England start putting some some runs on the board. His his bowling attack looks twenty thirty percent better, and suddenly we're not talking about it anymore. Yeah, it's it, I, I, the only one thing I would say is that I think everyone is very um, concerned about the possibility of you know um, Stokes becoming a captain. I, I don't necessarily think it would be as bad as people think. Um, I think it might be a bit like Mourinho at Tottenham, and that you'd get very used to it after a week. You know, everyone everyone thought it was a ridiculous idea when he held up the shirt, and then all of a sudden it's pretty standard, isn't it? Um, but you know, I, it, why do they get so upset about this? It's football. You know, managers, players, everybody moves. Yeah, and there is no such thing, you know, that badge kissing thing. Don't be suckered by it. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's not real. Um, one, <laughs> it's not real. If there's one thing we know with Mourinho is that it will end in uh, a firestorm at some point. Exactly, <laughs> and, and, and the game and the game is all the better for it. Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing about Rio, I suppose, is that you know. It, it, we could see this coming miles off. Uh, do you remember back when he captained Yorkshire in that game at Lords, and everyone called him the captain, and it was all a bit of a laugh, and all you know, everyone <laughs> took it quite lightly and was, oh, he'll be England captain, and I'll be great at it. And you know, same with Cook, he didn't have much captaincy experience, but everyone said, oh, is that Cook? He'll be fine. He'll find a way. And you know, this is what happens when. And I suppose it happens in most countries where you know people get thrust into test captaincy without actually having done it because. But well, that's not what bothers me about the idea of Stokes. I don't, I'm not bothered that he's not. He's not been a captain before. That wouldn't be the argument that I would put against him doing it, for sure, because I agree with you. It's kind of, uh, most of the time, international captains are, are learn on the hoof anyway. Yeah. Um, you pick an 11, you know, the old Australian maxim, you pick an 11 and you make a captain out of it. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I don't have, so that wouldn't be the argument. The argument would be simply that camp, could we afford for him to go massively off yeah. the boil? Because, listen, there, there's a hell of a lot to it. A hell of a lot to, to sort of having to be responsible for. Um, and it's not just the other ten players; it's responsible for an, a whole raft of things that people don't see, I guess as well as being, the, you know, the the most important player that we have. And he is the most important player that we have. Flintoff was the most important player we had. Do you think? And everyone said, "Don't make him captain! <laughs> don't make him captain!" And he, you turn, turned him into a sort of a, to a lunatic on that trip. Do you and think he couldn't battle bowl? You know, it was kind of like surprisingly we lost five 0 Do we do we give people? Matt probably doesn't remember that one. <laughs> do we give people too much? You know, is the sort of off-field nature of being England captain and the sort of statesman-like position is that over the top? Is that unnecessary? No, no do you... I, don't, I don't think I don't think people have any idea just how how, how much more to it there is. But yeah, I would say in... it's I'd say it's underplayed. But does that need? As in, does it need to be a thing in the way that it is? Could you feasibly have? Um, an England a, a, a situation where England literally just picked their squad for a tour and then two days out from the match, yeah. or three, well, it, three it would, days out from the match, said right, Broad's captain for this one. It, yeah. it would require a, a culture change, the like of which, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be yeah. Different, but, but but you know, again, I think that the kudos of of the role and also the the importance of of being that figurehead. I don't think you're ever going to get to the point where that's downplayed at all. Mm. I mean, look, they try their very best. Anyway, you know, in comparison to what Mike Brearley had in terms of his, but you remember him, um, <laughs> the, the, of his backroom staff, um, there wasn't any. They had, they had none. The captain kind of did did everything. Um, the senior players took care of it all. In terms of the the, the layers of um, of extra management that are there to kind of to try and facilitate all of these things, it's like it, it's like it's never been. However, there is still there is still more responsibility than any one man should have to take on on his shoulders. Um, being cap- being England captain, being captain of any Test team for that matter, um, and so uh, 
you know, much, much, much like the, the similar argument to, you know, why don't why don't you sort of your test wicket keepers bat at number three and and you know or open the batting and score loads of runs and take loads of catches and captain the team and like it's because mm. it's, there's a, there's a lot of bandwidth being used up by by lots of different things, um, and some people have some people's workload and you know there is an unfairness in terms of what some people are asked to do as cricket players um, as opposed to other jobs. You know, what's the best gig in the world? Bat six. Do nothing else. Oh, ripper! <laughs> you know, uh, what's the worst job in the world? Probably wicketkeeper, bat number three, you know? <laughs> or, or, or you know, all rounder, or, or fast bowler, etc. There's, there's, um, there are certain things where, where you need you need as much time away from the gig that you're being asked to do in order to do that job at your very best. Yeah, keep calm and carry on. That's the message. Um, in terms of changes for this uh, forthcoming test, New Zealand will have a couple enforced changes. Uh, Daryl Mitchell looks likely for a debut um, with Colin de Gronholm out and Trent Bolt, who you mentioned, uh, Matt, possibly replaced by Matt Henry. But we don't really expect that to, to change the, the, both the nature and the quality of the challenge here. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, you know, those two were barely used in the final innings. Um Regardless, with the ball, um, I, yeah, I, I think the, Although grand, the big man did get out. The, yeah, the, the big man for England. Uh, the Grand is that the Joe Root wicket. He's a massively underrated <laughs> Test all-rounder because he's so unassuming, and you know, he, he's 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 just he's a he's a comic figure, isn't he? In a lot of ways, or he's treated <laughs> as such. But in truth, he averages with forty his, with, with the bat and, and uh, just under thirty with the ball in mm. Test cricket. Like he has a seriously good record. Um, so you know, Mitchell does have some fairly big shoes to fill on debut. But yeah, I, I expect they'll. Um, that'll be a similarly impressive team, and um, yeah, it, vaguely interesting to see that they're seemingly keeping uh, Lockie Ferguson sort of champing at the bit ahead of that Australia tour. I imagine he'll make his debut at some point during that, but um, I was I was reasonably surprised to to read that um, Matt Henry's likely to to play ahead of him. If it is a green seamer, then um, probably a few players likely to harness that better. Mm. Um, We've done the high five, but eat that up. It's good for you stuff. Time for a quick run around the sweet shop, uh, chaps. Highlights from the T10. <laughs> Butch, was it was it all you imagined it would be when you went out there for a oh, ten day beano? Oh, and more, and more. <laughs> um, highlights. Can you remember anything about it? There were a lot of England players. No, there was one. There was a highlight, and it was so outstanding. It was so. It was like a highlight of the entire year's cricket for me. <laughs> it was. Um, it was. <laughs> it was Kays Ahmed. Oh. Bouncing Andre Russell and, la- and dropping him on his backside <laughs> with a, with an absolute snorter went underneath his chin and, and big Superman Dre Russ had to had to arch his back. He fell on the floor and then he kind of he had both hands on the ground. He was like eating dirt and he just looked up <laughs> and glared at uh, glared at Kays with a look that would have withered a, a herd of elephants. Um, it was absolutely brilliant. Other than that, can't remember anything. I tell you what, as well about that case armor bouncer uh, Root tried a bouncer at the Grandham during that test it involved one at 72 miles an hour no chance he would have done that but for Case Armoured so you know <laughs> T10 is making test cricket better there you go already already. heard it here first wow there we go okay yeah. well uh, I think we've reached our recommended weekly allowance here <laughs> on the pod uh, the second test gets underway tonight GMT with England still looking to find their test voice although the way things are going even Lin-Manuel Miranda might struggle to make them sing in Hamilton We'll be back for more soon. <laughs> Until then, my thanks to Butch and Matt, and to you all for tuning in to the Switch It podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com. Mm-hmm.